Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I am your host. My name is Joe Fitzgerald. Joining us, our guest today is Matt Wiedemer of Beat Personal Training with two locations in the Cincinnati market. Matt, what's going on, man? How are we today? I'm doing well. How are you, Joe? I am doing tremendously. Now, Matt and I got the chance to, to explore this business from a high level before we started this conversation. I don't want to steal your thunder, though. For the people who aren't familiar with you or aren't familiar with the Beat Personal Training brand, Matt, before we get into the business conversation and how you actually operate this thing, give us some context. Beat Personal Training, what is this business and and how do you describe it? Yeah, so we are uh, high-end professional training for everybody. So my background is uh, I used to be a Westside Barbell guy. Went to uh, work for the University of Pittsburgh, Cleveland Browns under Buddy Morris. Um, trained directly with Louis Simmons for a, a number of years, and uh, took that high-end training that I was around with. You know, um, again with the University of Pittsburgh, Buddy Morris, Cleveland Browns, all the stuff that the best athletes in the world are getting. We've brought that to the general population. Yeah. And so for the, the meathead crowd that listens to this show, you're, you're already sparking some interest and in, in getting perking up people's ears. And so we've pulled from a number of different experiences to create what is now beat personal training. Take us back. I think the history of these things is just as important as what we do today and what we do in the future. And so from a how we got here kind of sense First and foremost, when did we get this thing off the ground? And second, what was the real intention with starting the business in the first place? You know what? I think uh, in 2003 is when we started. I had two partners at the time. Um, they were chiropractors. And I just got done working for the Browns. I uh, had paid off my student debt, put a down payment on a car. And then we all put in, I think at the time, 10 grand each which, you know, kind of at that time in my life tapped me out. But the interesting <laughs> thing about what we were doing is there was no proof of concept. You know, now if you throw a rock, you'll hit a small boutique training center. Back at that time, all you had were big box gyms and, and maybe some uh, hardcore gyms, but you didn't have anything like what we were doing, which in some ways made it easier, in some ways made it harder. Um, but I just love, I'm a gym rat. I love training. I love everything about it. I still compete in powerlifting. Um, you know, I, I, I think so for me, it was just a way to continue what I was doing and, um, you know, desperation creates a lot of good habits. Um, so I was obviously, you know, working 120 hours a week trying to get this thing going. I had no money living out of my car, you know, uh, you know, like everybody's got a story similar to that, I guess. But, you know, I, I didn't have an option to go home and live with family or take money from someone else. So um, I really learned a lot from my, uh, I would say at that time, my mentors were not from a training point of view, but from a business point of view, were, um, uh, I had two chiropractors, Paul and Patrick Baker, Baker Family Chiropractic, and they had known me from the gyms. They were competitive bodybuilders and uh, they knew my background and knew that I was coming back from Cleveland and they wanted somewhere they could send their patients to not get hurt. 
because uh-huh. the quality of the training was pretty low. You know, back then you had like Bally's, you had, um, you know, there were some world's gyms around, there were some other places, but yeah. um, you had the big box. And, the, and Not they a tremendous amount of options for sure. Yeah, so they, they thought, hey, why don't we do this together? Um, and so what I learned from them is you, you have to be, number one, authenticity's king. So I'd watch those guys and, you know, their diets were impeccable. They really did get adjustments. They were very um, adamant. Whether you believe in chiropractor or not, they did. So the first thing I really thought of is, in hindsight, authenticity's king because you can't sell something that you're really not doing. Uh, I have a very good friend named Stan Efforting. Most of your viewers have probably heard of him. Stan Efforting and I have spent probably equivalent of years together. You know, we, we both uh, went out and trained John Jones. So we lived together then. Uh, Stan comes out to my house and stays probably three times a year. Um, we travel together. We, we were just in Scottsdale helping out um, a guy named Henry Cejudo. So we stayed there for a week together. I've been to his house in Vegas. I can tell you unequivocally, Stan Efferding does everything that he says he tells you guys to do. He does it. <laughs> Truly traveling with cooked meat in a bag. Yeah. A hundred percent. And he bring and he brought me as a housewarming gift one year a rice cooker. And he talked about this rice cooker <laughs> as if it was his fourth child. And oh, you gotta get a good one though. Yeah, I got a great one. So what it showed me is everybody I've seen who is successful in what they do really is enthusiastic and authentic in what they're teaching. Uh, the people that seem to fail are the guys who are giving, saying one thing and, and not following it on their end. Yeah. So that was how I started. And um, I learned a lot of good lessons. Number one, we didn't have social media, which I think it was, it was a blessing. You had to get out. I would hit tanning salons. Obviously, I'd solicit my chiropractor's office. Um, tanning salons were really good back then. I would just, you know, offer the staff free training. Um, and, in, you know, Stan Efferding, I have a book on this. If you go to stanefferding.com, it's called How to Build a Career in the Fitness Industry. I talk a lot about these things. But getting into people's office and saying, hey, we'll train your staff for a month or two months. If you let us solicit that has gone further than anything I've ever done before or since. Um, yep. Trade shows. We, I, I went to a bridal Rama. This was 20 years ago. I went to this bridal Rama. I still have four clients I got from that bridal Rama in 2003. There's still clients. And I don't know how many referrals as well. Yeah. But getting in front of people, you're your own best salesperson. You know, these, I, you know, and, and I, and I live in a, we live in a different world now with the posting and the, but there's nothing like getting in front of somebody. I learned real quick. You don't just give them your number or get theirs. You make the appointment on the spot. So I probably get about two referrals a week, just being out and about. I've gotten two already this week, both at restaurants where the waiter said, Hey, I know you're a trainer. I don't just say, Oh yeah, here's my card. I say, when do you want to train? You like mornings or evenings? I never ask yes or no. Do you want to train? Because then they say no. What do you say? Hey, would you like to train? No. Oh, okay. I guess I'll have an omelet. You know, like you say, hey, do you like mornings or evenings? Uh, evenings, great. Uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or Tuesday, Thursday, Saturdays. Uh, Monday, Wednesday, great. All right, let's start you Monday. Oh, you know, here. Let me text you right now. Here's our address. Those are the kind of things that. I think, yeah, people don't talk about those things. 
Yeah. And we well, if we were to, to pause here for a moment, Matt, I just want to kind of call out a couple of things and draw some attention to the things that you said along the way. Yeah. First and foremost, the, the authenticity piece, the belief, the conviction, whatever title you put on it, it can't be faked and people know. I think even more so now than ever, people can smell bullshit. People can tell from a mile away. And I think that goes to show why so many businesses in our industry start and go out of business, start and go out of business. 20 years in the fitness industry is a lifetime in any yeah. other career. So I think that says a lot in and of itself. The second aspect that I pull from what you said is that there's no shortcut, right? You mentioned 120 hours a week, didn't have any money, but I had time and I had grit. I had effort. I was getting in front of anybody and everybody that I knew to build this business. I'm sure it looks a little bit different today, but you did what you had to do to get things off the ground at the jump. All of that says a lot. I want to I want to kind of shift focus here a little bit and just get perspective from you. 20 years in, what's been the best part about running these businesses and what's been the hardest part about running these businesses for you? Well, um, the best part is I get to do what I love. So I love training people. What's transitioned for me really is um, – about seven years ago, uh, I had twin daughters and then six years ago, I got divorced. So my life changed radically in terms of my ability to my time. So what changed for me and everything, you know, there's pros and cons to everything, but I became a better, um, owner or business guy versus trainer. And what I think a lot of people do at one time, we had nine, yeah. lot, That's a one big time, mental shift. We had, I had nine stores at one time. We sold them. Um, now we're back to two, but I sold seven of them. But what I know, back then I know I was getting out of hand, to be honest. Um, we were growing too fast. Too thin. So but what I found is I don't look at my customers as the clients anymore. They are, and I still talk to my clients on a daily basis. But my, my employees are my customer. And I think that um, kind of the, the Marriott model at this point of take care of your team and your team will take care of the end user. Right. Yeah. I think what you have, you know, the, the gym is, if you think about a business and particularly a gym business, this is where I think most people make mistakes. The times I've talked to people or people have reached out and asked me for help. They behave as if it's never going to get bigger. You have to say, how will I replace myself one day? Will this model work if I'm not working? The current gym we're in, we bought from somebody. And the guy said, and I, and I gave him a pretty low ball offer. And he said, I made 40 or 50 grand last year. I said, no, you didn't. You had a $50,000 job. And I don't want to buy your job. And he was kind of like stunned. But my point was, that's not a business. You have a, a lot of trainers buy themselves a job. They say, I own a gym. I think you own a job. So you've taken all the risk and, and you're typically a really hard one. <laughs> a really hard one. That's right. So 
what you need to do is think of four things. This would be my lesson for everybody. If they, they can turn off the podcast after this. Take notes. Number one. Yeah, number one, think of it like the business needs, the business has to be taken care of. So there's the business itself. What's that mean? Buying new equipment, updating your locker rooms, you know, cleaning it, fresh paint. That has to be done. Two, the customer feels to feel like they are getting a good product. So if the customer says, boy, this, this is too expensive or the, the value's not there, then that's not going to work. Three, the employee has to feel like I'm making a really nice livable wage in a place that I really enjoy. And I, I can see myself staying here and having a future here. And then number four, and I think a lot of people, some people overthink of this and some people don't think of it at all is you, you are a, as the owner, an investor. And if you're not getting a return on your investment, then it's not going to work. You're going to be bitter. Angry. Investment. Yes. So those four things have to be in place. And I look at it like a web. If anything gets pulled one, you know, like if you had a perfect square and the square started to get pulled, you know, because one thing was getting too much attention, then the square would be off. You know, that's what I've you got to think that of. analogy in the form of like a chair before. Like we need each yeah. of these legs to be the same length. Yeah. hundred percent. And I think what happens is people don't, and everybody has to be on board and you have to be able to look at it from all sides. And if one side's getting too far ahead or too far behind, it's going to break. And that's, uh, yeah. yeah, to your chair analogy, that's perfect. Yeah. Now, Matt, uh, I want to explore it from a client perspective and, and you said a handful of times that so much of this has traversed through word of mouth and referrals and, and pounding the pavement, if you will, just getting out into community things. But have you guys ever spent any kind of money in, in marketing or anything to drive leads through the doors in the first place? I've done everything. I've done, done everything. What's, what's worked? What hasn't? Well, I can tell you what's, I can tell you the best thing you could do is build a really good website or even update ours now. I think ours could even be better. Um, that's that's the new everything to me. Instagram and social media like Facebook, I don't think it's bad and I'm sure some people have success with it, but we are a car payment. As personal trainers, look at yourself like a car payment. What do you do when you wanna buy a car? Cause right, personal training, depending on the city is anywhere from let's call it three to $800 a month, depending on the city you're in. So that's a car payment. So if somebody was going to buy a car, what's the first thing you do? You Google midsize SUVs or, you know, if you're a, a dad, like a mom, you might say minivans. What's the best minivan? And you're going to go to the websites and you're going to read. So your website is your new uh, initial uh, point of sale. You know, in the old days it was, your answering service, you know, who answered your phone, that was critical. You know, you had to have really good people on the phone. I still think you do. I think people don't do that enough. We have, a, we actually have full-time phone people that they answer your call because I yeah. think that's critical. But the first thing you're going to see is the website. So put your money in Google AdWords and then have a killer website that really lets people know who you are. So success in, in funneling traffic to the website, we want it to be professionally done, of course. Some interest in social media, I think even 2022, things have shifted a little bit and a lot of the time, 
in conjunction with that Google search and website inquiry are Facebook, Instagram, whatever platform of choice, people doing their research. But in the end, the idea being that they know everything there is to know about your business probably before they even contact you. 100%. Before before we can even consider, quote unquote, a sales process beginning, this is an informed buyer. Yes. And so we need to make sure that they're getting the right information, right? This is so much is won and lost at that time. So we're getting this hypothetical lead. Explore this kind of thought process with, with me for a moment. We get this hypothetical lead. They reach out, whether it's over the phone, email, they stop in, whatever. Walk me through the typical process and, and what happens for them to actually sign up as a client with you. Well, the number one thing is you better, well, so for example, we get a, uh, if, when I get a message, they're getting called back within five minutes. If an email, okay. if email comes through, you know, or a web, a web inquiry, they're going to call back within five minutes. You know, my, my take is because we've all shopped for other things. Like as a, for example, my, my uh, fireplace in my house is all, like something's not working with it. I've called a million places. Whoever calls me back first, we'll get the business. I know nothing about fireplaces. I Google fireplace repair and um, that's that. Like, you know, at, at the end of the day, um, oops. Yeah, I have a problem. I'm looking to have it solved. That can apply to any business, any industry. Here's what I'm looking to have happen. I'm looking for a solution, right? I want the end result. Sorry, you see it pulled up on my Google on my, uh, on my thing. Yeah. Um, but so you call them right back because don't think for a second that you're the only person they called. You know, if you think they just called you because you're That's the only perspective out, here, you're crazy. Because mm-hmm. to your point, they have recently, they, they seen enough that they liked you, but they've, they like some other people. So call them right back. Yep. It's your first opportunity to distinguish yourself. And I know I'm going on about this, but it's important. Because if well, you I wait a week, it's important in our industry because we are, we have this ego challenge in our industry where we always believe we are the best gym in town. Everyone mm-hmm. else, whatever they're doing, isn't correct. Our way is best. But yeah. For the person in the shoes looking for this, they probably don't have that distinction. There may not actually be that distinction, but in their mind, this is a personal trainer. That's a personal trainer. That's a personal trainer. It's all the same. Well, kind of going back to ask me about when I first started, what's what's easier you know we were the we were the first ones with sleds prowlers racks um mm-hmm. you know we had the louis simmons tread sleds we had a plyo swing so people go oh my gosh well now everybody has prowlers racks right sleds. right 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 a glued ham raise i had a glued ham raise in 2003 people thought it was like a spaceship you know yeah now everybody has a glued ham so it's funny because to your point somebody goes oh my gym has that and you're like you know you might think i'm better but they don't know. They're like, well, they have that. You have they that. So, so yes, call first that. impression. We differentiate immediately on the phone. Yeah. So get a hold of them right away. And then I would say, get an appointment ASAP, get them in the door as quick as possible. Uh, once they're in the door, I think and there's a script in our book that, you know, we, we give all this away. So I don't get, like go through the whole script, but the main thing is these people know, I think there's a vulnerability that a lot of times trainers don't appreciate it is difficult to walk into somebody's door and say, I need help. 
I cannot lose this weight. It's very humbling. It's, it takes a lot of vulnerability to share that with somebody, as you know, cause you did this for years. People are telling you really intimate things. Um, your health is a personal matter. It's not, it's not like bringing your car into a shop. And I think that's the number one thing trainers don't always get. This isn't just working out for people. This is a very vulnerable moment for them. So be very, uh, be open and listen. Um, that being said, the beginning of our consultations are pretty objective. I let people talk because I want to know what their view of it is. Yes, eventually I'm going to take your body fat. I'm going to take your weight. I'm going to take your inches. I'm going to go do an assessment on you. Most people minimize their health. Right. So, you know, let the, but let them talk about it. And what I generally find is they begin to realize it as they talk about it. Yep. It's, it's question-based. It's the, the interview sort of idea. Sure. Yeah. So I, I, and then once that happens, we create a plan for them right on the spot. I think um, by nature, and this sounds salesy, which it could, I guess maybe it could be construed that way, but you want to strike right away because if this person has come in and they have a, the last 10 years, they have just not been able to get it together. That tells you their history says they'll find a way to avoid this. That's why I'm so big on get the appointment right away, set the first workout right away. Let's just get to it. And uh, getting them signed up, we usually offer some sort of week free. But after that, you know, get them paying right away, not because you're a greedy pig, because money is a, a level of commitment. Somebody hands us $500 for the month of training, their odds of showing up are a lot better than if not. I, I agree wholeheartedly, and I want to even reiterate one of the things that you said, and you said it may sound salesy. Our industry has a really hard time with sales, and it gets this almost negative connotation, oh. but the way that you describe it shouldn't be that way, right? If yeah. we're doing our due diligence and we believe in the product, it's our responsibility to share it with the person who just told us X, Y, and Z about their life and why they do need this type of thing. It shouldn't be this avoided conversation for tactical purposes here, Matt. Is this still, are you handling a lot of these sales-based competitions or has that been, or conversations or has that been delegated amongst the team? It's all been delegated. My guys have, a, we have a script. You can buy, you can see it in our book. So there's no, you know, you, know, you can use our, the book and standeffrey.com uh, you're welcome you know anybody's welcome to buy it but our scripts are in there um and they're they're well thought out we coach them really well um my guys do all this now and, and that's why i talk about i almost focus on training my trainers yeah if they're the customer okay but it's it's really it's it's easy to teach it's not easy to teach but it's it's teachable um it's not hard to teach but you made a great point it's only negative to sell somebody if you don't believe in what you're selling them. <laughs> we have so, a lot of that in our industry. Don't get me wrong. If you sell somebody a lemon car that you know is going to fall apart 10 miles down the road when you get off the lot, then yeah, you're probably a scumbag. If you're selling somebody something that you believe is going to change their life for the better, then to your point, it's your obligation to do it. So yeah, you it have is a little different perspective for sure. Yeah. yeah. 
So I think that's that's what usually goes through. I think it's important to get them on the floor. I like, and the other thing I would tell every trainer out there is get more than a weight. I see so many trainers, they get the weight. They all know that your body weight is most determined by your diet, which is out of the trainer's control. Obviously, you can say, here's what I want you to eat, but if they don't follow it, you know, now you've you've given the only metric and you've put it in the hands of somebody who's not disciplined. So you yeah. want to get you want to get you know some sort of cardiovascular test, lower body strength test, core strength test, upper body strength test. Measure their inches. Uh, get a before picture that you can you know obviously take an after picture down the road. That way, the things that you do control, which would be the workouts, you can look back. If a client and you know, however often you assess, whether it's two weeks, four weeks, six, that's up to you. But when a client says, I haven't lost a pound, this isn't working. You can say, well, no, here, look at all these things you improved on. And here's your before and after you're actually more toned. Yep. You want to lose this weight. You got to follow the diet. I think it's a, a matter of professionalism, Matt. I think mm -hmm. so often we just perceive fitness in whatever capacity, whether it's one-on-one -on -one training, group training, whatever the, the delivery of it, we assume that everyone is like us. And that's not the case. We are a unique breed of people. And if we are to differentiate ourselves, because like we already said a number of times, there are plenty of amateurs in our industry. We need to be professional. Yep. We need to dress the part. We need to look the part. We need to act the part in that all of what you're saying, we, we take these, me these metrics and have measurements and have assessments ongoing. It's not just show up to the gym and work out with me. That's yeah. for the amateur. That's for the amateur. Now. We always say what gets measured gets done. It's that's so right. True. That's right. Now continue that hypothetical here for a moment, Matt. We sign up this client. We now have a new client. 20 years into the business, I'm sure you've learned a thing or two about retention. Yeah. What keeps your clients training with you for the long haul? How are we able to, to maintain these relationships? Well, I think number one, like any relationship, you know, um, I think contact outside the gym. So whether that's today, text, phone calls, handwritten letters, I'm a big fan of, we do happy hours with our gym. Um, your clients become your community, you know, inside and outside the gym. You know, when I got married, my entire wedding party was either clients or trainers. My best man was a client. I'd never met him before the gym. You know, he, I met him as a client, ended up being the best man at my wedding. So I think for some people it's natural. I'm, an, I'm a people guy naturally, but, um, you know, just doing things with these people. Like if you're, you know, if you're into golf, sure a lot of your clients golf go for a round of golf with them um, you know if, if you're if you're a hiker a dog walker you know that's that's kind of comes back to like you know in our thing we talk about be professional be curious be a community that's one of the things we talk about for our trainers uh professional all the things you talked about you know dress the part you know you're not coming in raggedy sweats you're gonna wear a beach shirt that we give you nice shorts or sweats you know looking like you showered and, and you got up for the day curious. We always talk about is uh, that kind of ties into retention. Um, curiosity is about your own workouts, your own training, your own nutrition, and then others. 
I, you know, one thing I talk about is you should be able to do a book report on every one of your clients. Where are they from? How'd they grow up? Did they go to college? What do they do for a living? Are they married, divorced, single? Do they have kids? Do they have pets? What are their interests? What do they like? What do they don't like? You should be able to, I call it a book report. You should just rattle them off. And I yeah. can tell you about all my clients and not just the basics. I mean, deep, you know, how they felt growing up, you know, what their insecurities are, what they overcame. That I think is the biggest part of getting to know people. That's how you create that bond. And then I think the community itself helps mold. Um, I always say training people in groups is like hosting a party. So Joe, you live in Manhattan. If you said, Hey Matt, come out, I'm hosting a party for all the people who've been on my podcast. If you didn't start introducing me to other people, you'd be in trouble. Yeah. Cause if you'd, you'd, leave, 50, you'd leave pretty quick. Yeah, if you had a hundred people just waiting on you to talk to them, it'd be awkward. But if you said, Hey Matt, this is, you know, Mike from Columbus. He actually trained with Louis Simmons too. And you go, oh my gosh, and then got us talking. Mm-hmm. And then you got other people. And suddenly you're just kind of managing all these conversations. You're connecting people and you're building your community. Now a client isn't just leaving the trainer, they're leaving their community. It makes it harder to leave. Yep. And so I think those are some really good ways to bring retention. And then obviously have a good product, you know. Um, our, our, <laughs> yeah, that's important here too. <laughs> I think that's lost. You know, I, I see a lot of, I, I do a lot of this stuff where I like, um, if you go to my website, you can sign up. I do some consulting. And a lot of times I think your product's just not that good. You're not that good a trainer. And I'm not saying that, you know, that's not everybody. Yeah. There's a, I agree. There's people it's a that are hard, good tra- hard pill to swallow though. So, but clients have to see results. I, I use, I'll use one that's like out of the realm, but golf, you know, I have a friend of his golf pro and he's enthusiastic. He got me to come take lessons. He got me into golf because his enthusiasm and I got way better. I would have never, you know, been that interested in golf. And I'm still not because he quit. He had to, you know, he couldn't make enough money as a golf pro. But in those, in those, there was a couple of summers I really got into it. And it was um, a lot of fun because of his enthusiasm and I was seeing progress. Yeah. If I was going to him and I still couldn't hit the ball off the tee, you know, no matter how much I watched it. Yeah, but I'm going to say this isn't worth it to me. But I think no. that's is have good results for people, setting goals. We all know from training ourselves, you know, lifting's not linear. Otherwise, we'd all bench 500 pounds. It's just going five pounds a week. So setting new goals, reassessing you know, kind of shifting gears, all, all those things are important. Yeah. And now Matt, our conversation, we have not had any kind of groundbreaking knowledge that's news to anyone throughout our conversation. A lot of this is a matter of doing the simple things well over and over again. Yeah. Blocking over 20, t- over 20 years, it makes a big difference, but for you, big picture, this thing with me, we've been doing it for 20 years already. What's the future of personal training look like in your mind? Where are we trying to go with this? I think locally we'll have three stores um, and then maybe in Scottsdale have three as well. uh, Further locations, name of the game in your mind? Yeah. And let me add one, and I know that's not your question, but one other thing I'd add that I make all my trainers compete in a strength sport. Here, I was watching a podcast with Jordan Peterson. He, you know, his big mantra is, 
you should be this violent savage under control that, you know, peace is not a virtue if you don't have the ability to be, I tell my trainers, my best trainers are Jack. I mean, I got a guy who squats 780 in, in a belt. No, no squats, nothing. Um, we, got, we got a bunch of guys over 600 on the deadlift. Um, they are some savages, but they pare it down. They're nice. You walk in, they're smiling. They're happy. They give you a big hug. How's it going today? You have to compete in a strength sport, in my opinion. Here's why. I don't care if it's bodybuilding, strongman, powerlifting. We are solving people's problems with a barbell. Would you agree? By and large. Dumbbells, kettlebells, barbells. Whatever the implement, sure. You have to be a master of it. And the dabblers never make it. The dabblers never fully figure it out. Mm-hmm. You have to be pushing the limits. Do I think everybody has to be Ed Cohen? No, there's only one Ed Cohen anyway. But, like, do you have to be the strongest guy in the, in the gym? No. But I would tell you, when you're constantly pushing and striving to get better yourself, it's so much easier to help others. Just like Stan. Stan is so good at diet because he's – Stan's been doing his own, he's been getting blood work once a month for however many years he competed. He's been, you know, competitive bodybuilding, powerlifting his whole life. He can tell you anything about how to lose weight, gain weight. He's got all these little tricks that you can't pick up in a book. And it's the same thing here. I I had a pro baseball player the other day say, I I showed him something with his knee. He goes, how do you always know? He's just making adjustment. I've been doing it forever. Yeah, this isn't my first rodeo. <laughs> you know, I couldn't tell you how to change this light bulb. I couldn't change the oil in my car. I know I'm losing my man card right now, but uh, I do all this, you know all this stuff. But yeah. that's what I think really is lost on these trainers. And this is the problem: the savages, the guys who are really into it, can't dial it back and learn how to be a normal person and learn how to greet people. And you have to be a little unselfish, right? You're getting up at 4 a.m. to meet at 5 a.m. Everything's a balance here, Matt. Everything is a balance. We need a a jack of all trades. That's why I tell my guys compete. I give them money for the, like, if you set a personal goal, whether it's we got one guy who's going to compete in a bodybuilding show, depends on where he places. We have powerlifting meets. If they hit their goals, I pay them because I think it's critical. Like, for example, the guy who squatted 780, he bulged a disc in his back. At the time, his best squat was 700, uh, or 720, sorry. He squatted 720. A month later, he bulges a disc in his back. I'm not even sure how he's going to function in life. He is in so much pain throughout the day. Forget powerlifting. Six months later, he comes back, squats 760, and then 780. Now, if somebody comes in and says, I bulged a disc. I would just like to get out of pain so I can play with my grandkids. That's easy. I'd like to. I'd like you to meet somebody. It's a layup. I meet so many guys. I met a guy out west, and uh, he was telling me about his methods, and he's so great. And then in Stan and I were out there. I said, "Why don't you come lift with us?" He said, "Oh, I can't. My back. I'll hurt my back." I said, "Well, I thought you were the rehab guru." He's like, well, I just don't lift. That's like taking your car into the shop and saying it rattles at five miles an hour and the mechanic hands you the keys back and says, keep it under 50. He fixed don't drive it. <laughs> it's your obligation to do this stuff. Yeah. You know, if you've yeah. done a bodybuilding show, which I haven't, but let's say you've done bodybuilding shows, 
and somebody comes in and says, I'd just like to lose 10 pounds. You're going, 10 pounds, that's nothing. I've had yep. to get, you know, whatever percent body fat on stage. So that's kind of where I'm going with this. I think most trainers really should be pushing the limits of their own training, then recognizing it's still not about you and you're here to service these other clients. But that's where I see the, the best versus the, the guys who don't seem to make it. Yeah. Now, Matt, uh, we're running a bit shy on time here, but I have one more question for you because I think this is important as well. Uh, you mentioned big picture goal, handful of locations in Ohio, handful of locations in Arizona. What do you think is going to be the biggest challenge in that pursuit? What do you perceive as, as potential hurdles? People. Accomplishing these things. People. Yeah, I'd say young people's work ethic is not what it used to be, if I'm being candid. Um, there is a, it's like a desire to not work. So it's, it's when you find a good person for gym owners, nab them up, pay them well, because they're, uh, they're not as many as there used to be. Yeah, big time. I, I couldn't agree more. And I think everybody listening to this podcast, whether they have one location or a hundred locations would agree with you wholeheartedly. Matt, uh, this has been a bunch of fun, man. I really appreciate your perspective on all of this. And I appreciate any business owner who's willing to give a look behind the curtain to see the behind the scenes on these types of things. In the short bit of time we have left, why don't you tell our listeners where they could learn more about what you do? What's the best website? What's the best social media? Yeah, so you go um, at Beat Personal Training on Instagram, and then you could go to uh, beatpersonaltraining.com, and then on YouTube, just type in Beat Personal Training, and uh, you'll see our videos. We got one up with uh, Cejudo. We got it. We could do better on it, to be honest. We got some videos like you'll see me training John Jones, and you see some fun stuff. We got some good videos out there. My personal yeah. handle, Beat Trainer at Instagram. <clears throat> I see a lot of pictures of my kids, <laughs> but <laughs> that's uh, what it's turned into, at least. Hundred percent. But yeah, you'll see us. Uh, so we connect with back. Matt and the team on those platforms. Like I said, Matt, this has been awesome. I, I really appreciate you coming on. I'm excited to see what the future holds because it sounds like we still have plenty of momentum and a couple of cards up your sleeves to be played in the industry. So I thank you for your time and, and I wish you nothing but the best. Thank you, Joe. Back at you. Appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And to everyone who tuned in today, thank you as well. Don't forget, if you'd like to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. If you're interested in joining us to talk your business model, click the link in the description, fill it out. Our team will be in touch soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Lord out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer, and make more money, head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see, here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I will be your host today, and my name is Joseph. And joining me on the show is Sylvia from Vi Fitness in San Diego, California. Welcome to the show, Sylvia. How are you doing today? 
I'm doing great. How about you? How about everyone? I'm doing great. And I hope the listeners are doing well themselves. I bet they're very excited today to learn more about your business. And I am as well. Um, but yeah, so before we dive into the nitty gritty business side of your gym business, I'm curious, you know, when you first established this business about 17, almost 18 years ago, what was the vision and goal you had in mind for it for the long term? Well, uh, I, I have been a trainer for a long time. I went to school um, uh, for uh, physical education. I'm not here in this country. I went um, part that I did in Italy and then the other portion I did in Brazil. And then I came to this country as professional athlete. Mm -hmm. I was a triathlete, can you believe? Oh, wow. Triathlete. Intense. Intense. I did that professionally for 12 years. Mm -hmm. So um, fitness and coaching, it was always part of my life. I did that. I started uh, being a professional, competing professionally when I was 13. Mm -hmm. So I, when I came here, I continued training for triathlons. And then, you know, I transitioned to personal training when I was about 18. And then I never stopped after that. And I always had huge passion to helping people and achieving their goals. And I started working and uh, in fact, they, they sponsored me uh, as an athlete. And then that's how I got that job as a fitness instructor. And then I, was, I worked there for 11 years. And then I had a good following and then the gym closed down. And then with all the people that I go out there and I open my own and I, I put Vi Fitness and this story about Vi Fitness. Uh, English, it's not my first language. You can hear my accent, right? I cannot even fake it. So instead telling my clients over there saying, go, go, I will say Vi, Vi mm -hmm. means go. Okay. The translation is- In Italian? Yeah, go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I always had to correct, and it was like, why are you saying Vi, Vi? You should put a, one of my clients, <laughs> you should put a business and call Vi. And then... Well, there we go. Now I put the, the name. That is the origin story of Vi Fitness. It's Go Fitness, yeah. Oh, I love that. So pretty long background of the fitness side of everything. It was a big passion, triathlete, and then, you know, a trainer, gym closed down and then you just decided to jump into the water head first full body in and now you are a, a gym owner yourself that's very exciting so sylvia for the listeners understanding and so they can you know gain a better understanding of who you are why don't you give them your elevator pitch so what kind of services do you offer you know group classes personal training and who do you like serve so men women what does that look like um, I offer, uh, now I offer group fitness classes, but very small group, like uh, between five and six people only. And I used to, uh, before this location, I used to have a little bigger space and I moved to a, a smaller uh, space 
So I cap as like five or six people that I still, I can still call as a group fitness, mm -hmm. but uh, it, I, I think people are looking for, you know, a little bit more uh, customization, a little bit more uh, private attention, uh, especially after everything that we went through the last, you know, couple of years or so. Yeah. yeah. So they, they, they they want this type of attention and i diminished the number of uh, uh participants so i only offer very small uh, group classes i also offered a reformer classes which is i used to have 10 reformers and i diminished to only six mm -hmm. so i offer group fitness classes and i also offer pilates on the reformer Okay. So group classes, you know, regular and with the Pilates side there, do you do any kind of, you know, one-on-one -on -one personal training or is only the group classes? Oh yeah. Good call. I do offer on-on-one uh, -on sessions too, which <laughs> is, you know, like a, a, a very strong aspect of my business is the yeah. personal training on a one. The more customized and personalized it is, the more you can charge and bring more money into the business. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, but besides that, uh, the owner one, uh, I used to do, I changed that model. I used to do women's only, and then now I, I do both, but the majority of my clients are women. Mm -hmm. Okay. So small group fitness, reformer classes, and one-on-one -on -one personal training, those three services there. So I'm curious you know, so that listeners can gain an understanding of where you're currently at with your business. How many people are you currently serving at this moment in time? Right now, I have about 70 to 80 clients. Okay, so 70, 80 clients, and that's spread out among all three of the services? Yes. On-the-one, okay. on-the-one on uh, personal training, the group fitness classes and the reformer classes okay so 70 to 80 clients right now i'm curious you know because that's pretty good size for one person's business right or you know what is the size of your brick and mortar facility yeah it's not when i say small boutique my studio is not super small i have almost three thousand uh square feet oh wow the eight hundred yeah yeah. Wow. So, so 3,000 square feet. Yeah, it's small, but I also want to uh, offer, you know, more space uh, for them. And I have a little area that, uh, a little cafe area that they can sit down, relax. Mm -hmm. And uh, I also have um, a little area that, you know, um, I give a stretching uh, and a massage if they want I am a massage therapist as well mm -hmm. so uh, not like a regular massage but like more like a body work type of massage yeah. the combination it's to get you know deeper into the tissue and to yeah. release more stress mm -hmm. so yeah. they like that it's a plus I believe mm -hmm. for this type of uh, uh, business you know yeah. okay so you know, where you're at in terms of clientele right now, is that somewhere you want to stop at? Or do you think you can handle more clients and bring more people in? Because 3,000 square feet, that's a lot of room for opportunity. 
I would love to get more uh, more clients. The clients that you know, like, are looking for this kind of uh, uh, experience, and because I believe that is all about the experience. And I have to be honest, uh, I have a lot of uh, inquires that people uh, want to join or want to be part, but they don't want to pay my price. Mm. Yeah. So they're more like unqualified people than anything that are coming through. Yeah, I, I, again, let's be honest, you get what you pay for, mm. you know? Yeah, so if you pay for a, a low barrier offer, you're going to get low service. Pay for high barrier offer, you're going to get yes. great service. Yes, you cannot get a little espresso coffee, uh, croissant from scratch, whole grain, all this type of things, little towels, and you know, like all this, uh, you know, uh, fancy things. Mm-hmm. They only ten dollars per class. So that you have to get to a place that you know don't offer you know, all these amenities mm-hmm. and be on top of each other. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, all this space, you know, like that's what I. So I would like to get a few more clients um, that are willing to uh, appreciate that and give you the the value mm. for what they are getting. Yeah, so mainly get more qualified people in than anything, not so much of the less qualified. So that brings me to, you know, my next question here is, what are you doing for marketing, Sylvia? Are you, you know, using mainly word of mouth, social media? What does that look like? I used to do before, because I have this business for a long time. Before you name it, I have done it. Tell me something, have you done this? Yes, this, yes. What have you done, Sylvia? I have done all types of ads on Facebook, all types of social media. I have done all types of uh, funnel on, uh, you know, not only Facebook, uh, Instagram. I have hired a PR. I have hired uh, uh, marketing specialists. Mm-hmm. None of that was effect for this type of business. Okay. None. Only Why do you think that is? Because I don't have the name. If you say, you know, the name, the brand recognition, mm-hmm. when you say, ah, Vi Fitness, some people never heard about me. Mm-hmm. They, they, they don't know, but you say other names that they have the brand behind, then ah, I have heard about that. Mm-hmm. Because they are larger and they can invest a lot of money into advertising and it's not effective. I realized that it's not effective. So what I have done, I work with my own clients and they refer me to mm-hmm. other clients. So word of mouth helps reviews. I have amazing reviews. I ask people, please give me a review. If you're happy with what you're getting, if you're happy, they put reviews. And that's, I decided to take that route. Mm-hmm. And it's working, you know, okay. little by little. It's not like, you know, it's not crazy volume because, no. you know, with the word of mouth, it's, it's just hard to predict, but the best thing about it is that it's free. You don't have to pay for it, but it's just not predictable. 
Like you don't know if next month you're going to get 10 people or five people or one or zero. And that's the hardest part about it. Yes. But I have, I have used other service and it's not as, as effective. It's not the quality of clients that come mm-hmm. are not the, the, the clients that can, it's not sustainable mm-hmm. for, for my type of uh, studio. Yeah. So that kind of brings me into, you know, my next question here is what do you think is your biggest bottleneck in your business? You know, that's keeping you from getting to the next level or, you know, just improving one small little thing. It would have been opening more, more locations, Okay. but it still keep the same model or, um, the business, the business model, which is still small, customized, personalization, still, but um, only one location, it might not be enough. And then one, the one location, probably, if it's not doing that well, the other one that is doing better will, you know, kind of like pay for that, that one that is not doing too well, but it still keep the the model the same but the model is working what is not working is uh the type of um um, advertising that i chose to do which is only organic Mm -hmm. but i don't know you know to be honest because i have tried so many different ways i don't know what will be very effective for this type of business i would love to know you know like if anyone have any advice and have done it, anything different. Send her her way. Yeah, yes. send her way. I'm willing to, to try it out. Yeah, so you mentioned that you did work with some marketing people and, and PR stuff, but more on the marketing side in terms of advertising, was that with a third-party agency? Or, okay, so how long ago was that? I did a PR for the year. And uh, it was, uh, I stopped doing uh, advertising, like heavily advertising about four years ago. And with, you know, COVID and everything, then mm. it was nothing there, only online classes. Yeah. And interesting enough that even during COVID, a lot of small business like I have, they didn't make it and I'm still here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and really, like during 2020, 33 percent of brick and mortar gyms shut down. So yeah. I mean, it's it's awesome to see that you're still here. I mean, so you push oh, yeah. through the push through the struggles and the hardships. So I mean, that shows that you are resilient and that you want this to work. And I don't take no as an answer, and I keep you know, and I keep driving my classes. Most of my classes now are full. Mm-hmm. Like my performer classes, uh, not all the classes, but the big number of classes are completely full. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, like yeah. going this way. Imagine mm-hmm. if I was doing something else. Yeah, exactly. So, Sylvia, I'm curious, you know, what is that one piece of advice that you wish you had before you got into being a gym owner? <sighs> That's a good question. And um, one of piece, uh, like a piece of advice that I, you know, is like, don't give up with the first uh, obstacle 
when, you know, that you have. Um, I, I had to start over three times with the studio, over and over from scratch. And I did mm. it again, and I did it again. So I was persistent and resilient. And if you love, you have passion for fitness, and really love fitness, I don't think that you're gonna, you can, but be rich doing this, unless that you have other, um, uh, you know, other ways to create revenue. Um, All the systems in place in order to bring it in. And online or like apps, a lot of people are going towards that route that they sell the workouts on, on you know, apps. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still think people um, wanted that type of attention on a one, that type of, uh, you know, it's, it's a little less. Um, also because of the economy, we're going through a little, you know. Rough times. Rough times that people, cost of living is, very expensive, especially uh, California. Uh, so I also work with them, you know, like, of course, I analyze each, each case and each situation, but I don't let them uh, not to come to see me if it's the biggest issue is money. Mm-hmm. I, I yeah. want each person yeah. yeah, this yeah this economic uh, climate right now is it's an interesting time that's for sure. Um, it's affecting everyone. But before we get too off the tracks here, we are running short on time, Sylvia. So before we sign off of the podcast, where can our listeners find you on your social medias and your website? Uh, my website is vivaifitness.com. Mm-hmm. You can find me there. And I also, I am on social media, Instagram, ViFitness, and um, Facebook, also ViFitness. And uh, you can, uh, you know, always um, email me, super easy email. It's my name, Sylvia. Don't forget my name is with I, not Y. It's I, S- not Y. Remember it. <laughs> yes. S. I L V I A at vifitness.com. Super easy. Everybody can memorize that. And you can just shoot me an email. And you know, I would love to hear from you. And um, I'm here. Awesome, Sylvia. Thank you for sharing that. And I want to thank you for taking the time out of your day to you know provide value to our listeners. Uh, it means a lot. But to everyone else who tuned in today, we appreciate you as well. And don't forget, if you want to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. And if you're interested in joining us to talk about your gym business, click the link in the description, fill it out, and our team will be in touch with you very, very soon. And as always, until next time, Gym Lords out. Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors. The Gym Lords podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. 
Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. The goal is simple, cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income. You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. Now stick around for the rest of this episode. Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name is Emily Newton, and joining us the show is Mimi from Behind Strength and Fitness. What's going on, Mimi? How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. No problem. You know, we're really excited to have you on. But before we dive into the nitty gritty of what you guys have going on at your gym, kind of tell us a little bit about how you describe your business and what made you want to start your business in the first place. Yeah, so um, at Mahan Strength and Fitness, we're a private training facility. Um, We train adults of all ages, youth athletes of all ages. Our youngest little client is a first grade athlete, all the way up to our oldest training client right now is 77 years old. So um, like you said, at Mahan Strength and Fitness, our motto is MSF, or Making Strong Families. Um, And we we use that because we really want to train everyone in the family from kids to parents to grandparents and kind of make the make a healthy um, dynamic in the household um, from everyone in the household. So I think that's kind of what makes us unique. Um, And in terms of what got me started, um, I grew up an athlete. So in a family of athletes, and I think, you know, just kind of utilizing my background between sports and fitness to kind of bring that vision to life. Um, we're coming up on our two-year anniversary this January. So um, it's, it's been a blast, but we're still, still really young. I'm not new to fitness, um, but in terms of having my own business and my own space, um, you know, we're really just getting started. Okay. That's, that's pretty cool. You said, so you have from ages, you say seven to 77 or four to seven. Yes. Yeah, that's right. 77. Yeah. Our oldest, our oldest member is 77. Um, He's newer to the gym. We do have a lot of folks in their late sixties, early seventies, but um, you know, I say he's a spunky guy. He actually, he does rowing as part of the rowing club within the city. And then he started doing strength training with us. Um, it's just inspiring. You know, I think so often our members are like, oh, the, the young people are the inspiring. And I'm like, no, it is you all that are inspiring. I want to be you, you know, when I'm <laughs> 60, 70 years old. Yeah, that's facts. I can agree with you more on that one. So where does your, I guess, your drive to serve your community in this way come from? Um, like I said, growing up an athlete, when I was in high school, um, kind of my first sort of experience with fitness and training and, and really um, physical therapy was I tore my ACL. I was playing um, high school basketball, tore my ACL to get ready for my softball season. I needed to go to physical therapy and make sure that I was you know, strong enough to get back on the field. Uh, and that was really eye-opening to me. I just kind of saw what training can do for our body. Like literally could not bend my knee, could not walk to being able to play. I actually played with a torn ACL and then 
had surgery after the season. So just like really coming full circle, I was fortunate to have an incredible uh, team around me to help me with that. But yeah. that was when I really kind of saw what, what the human body is capable of and overcoming injury. Um, and then I went on to play college softball and then I was a college softball and strength coach. And then having the experience of working with college athletes um, and I'm, and I'm going through the, the whole journey really quickly, but it's really been the last 10 years. So my own, my own journey of sports and fitness and training. And then um, most recently before moving back, I worked with just general population and women specifically in Boston. Um, and that was a really unique experience as well, because then I just was able to see the impact that fitness has on women specifically and, and moms and those that, you know, they, they're balancing everything, careers, households, um, their own health and fitness. So that was a special experience too. So I feel like I've, you know, kind of done it all. And I took everything that I've learned and I'm trying to just give all of that back to everyone because everyone needs training. It's different. You know, we have different goals. My little athletes who I'm first through third grade obviously have different goals from my high school athletes that maybe want to go on to play college sports, have different goals than myself at age 34 or, you know, the, um, the fellow I mentioned earlier, that's 77, his goals are different than my goals, et cetera. But, um, training is for everyone. So I'm really trying to be an inclusive space for all people. Yeah. So, I mean, you have quite an age gap and like you're serving two different demographics. So mm -hmm. how do you like get in touch with the younger generation, like your youth? And then also, you know, how are you getting in touch with that much older generation? Because, you know, they're they're not likely on Instagram scrolling or, you know, looking on TikTok for, for a gym to work out in. Yeah. So it's actually, that's a great question because I think about that a lot in terms of, um, I've always been someone to wear multiple hats and be involved in a lot of different things. And I think that can be good and bad, right? It's good because, you know, you know, a lot about a lot of things, but then also sometimes people like to go to the expert. Like I know one thing. So I think for me, that's tricky because, um, training youth athletes is so different than training adults. Obviously there's some similarities there, but it's, if you went to a, a youth athlete class versus an adult class, the programming should look different and it is, the goals are different. Um, but I have to market that. So back to your point, I have to make sure that I'm educating the community I'm in that, Hey, we're serving athletes and adults, little kids all the way up to the older population, but it looks different because at the end of the day, we're trying to meet your goals and meet you where you're at. Um, so I think that's all in the, the marketing and the education for sure. We yeah. post, um, daily on social media, trying to get the message out of what we're doing. Um, and really in all of our posts, we try to have an educational component too. Um, both like showing what we're doing, but also kind of telling the story. And then one of our sayings is we try to offer individualized attention and programming within the group setting. So that's, you know, you're getting what you need within this kind of bigger program. Okay. So we're doing for your marketing, um, you're doing a little bit of social media. Is it both Facebook and Instagram? Yes. So um, funny enough, moving from um, Boston, I don't know what it's like where you're from, but moving from Boston back to the Midwest. And I also don't know if it's a generational thing too. Um, so like where you're at in the country, also an age thing, but I sincerely have not used Facebook in a long time. 
And I thought that Instagram was all people used. I was convinced. Then this was probably, you know, two, three years ago that I thought this. And moving back, um, I didn't even know if I was going to have a Facebook. I was like, well, we definitely need, need an Instagram, right? I, I mean, I was convinced that an Instagram is just as good as a website. And I think there's some truth in that. But um, I realized that Facebook is really what can drive the community. So in my opinion, Instagram hits a certain audience and so does Facebook and you need both of those. And also Instagram is more like, let's see what's going on. Almost like ads or um, like a newspaper or a magazine and Facebook people actually conversate. So we have a members page where, um, you know, people communicate, go back and forth. So it's almost like a members forum right on Facebook. And that's really helped build our community. Yeah. So <clears throat> that's interesting. Like, so it's a Facebook group that you have? Yes, yeah, a private group. And then we also have our page, just our regular, um, you know, social media page. But then we have a private members group too. Okay. So is the Facebook group that you have, is it like for members only? Or yes, you have to be let, you have to be invited in. Okay, so kind of giving off like that exclusive feel. Yes, exactly. Okay, so anything outside of social media that you guys have found to be successful for getting more people in the door? So um, I just recently really upgraded our website. So when I first opened, like I said, I really thought that Instagram was enough and Facebook was enough. And I think that was a really smart idea looking back. We didn't have to invest the resources into an, an incredible website right out of the gate, but two years in, now I feel we really need a good website. And that I think generates leads and it helps, um, you know, potential members get in contact with me or sign up without having to go through me. Like in the past, I feel like there was a lot of funneling texts and emails directly to me. And that in the beginning, that's exciting. You're like, I just want people to talk to me. Let's go. But eventually, you know, I can't feel that all day long. So um, our new website is uh, really awesome too. And it just helps take care of that when people are interested. So other than that, um, we, I have done several community events. Like I just recently went to um, a local high school and participated. They had me lead a few classes there. So I'm, I'm quick to say yes, anytime I can get out in the community and kind of spread what we do. We get, we do, uh, we just did a local 5k in October and then we did the local Turkey trot and everyone has on, you know, the MSF apparel. And I think that really sparks conversation. I, I actually had someone come up to me and say like, I go to the gym, but it really looks like you have, you know, a community of family when you see 30, 40 people in matching sweatshirts at a race. I think that helps too. Yeah. So for the like future business owner or personal trainer that might be like introverted, because um, mm -hmm. I'm an introvert. And yeah. initially when I started the industry, I was like, I don't want to talk to people, but I know that if I don't talk to people, I'm not going to be able to serve and also make a living. So when it comes to just networking and like really getting out there and, and engaging in the community, but also turning those people into like paid membership, mm -hmm. what's the process look like for that? Yeah, well, first, I do think that relationship building is key. And I do think that takes time and work. I don't think if you're introverted, extroverted, you, I don't think you need to be someone you're not. But just like how you build relationships in your personal life with friendships and, and people you care about, I think you really have to figure out genuinely um, how, how you can build relationships with people. I think that is um, what creates the connection. So for us, um, right now we have a two-part 
intro series. So if you wanted to join the gym, you would sign up for two personal training sessions out of the gate. And from there, uh, after you do those two sessions, the first one is more like an initial assessment, getting to know each other. That's where you would have to come out of your shell a little bit because I think it's good to, you know, talk with the new join and figure out their why, what brings them there, what they're looking for. And then the second session is more for them just to get to know our style. And from there, then you can determine is personal training best for you? Is you know, maybe you have a friend, partner training, or are you going to jump right into our group classes? So that's kind of the, the first face you see. And when I first opened, we did not do that because everyone was new. So people just came right into the classes. That's really what we focused on for probably the first year. Mm-hmm. And now in year two, what I've learned um, in terms of retention and also like turning over a client. So someone that comes in for that first session, are they joining? That's really, really important. What I found recently, and I think this would be, you know, just great advice for a a new um, gym owner, is that I think that folks are more likely to join the gym if they have that one-on-one session first than if they just come to class. Because I think that initial connection with a coach, um, whether it's the owner of the gym or just one of the coaches on staff, I think that really helps kind of build rapport and make that person feel more comfortable. Okay. So we're going fitness assessment, like one-on-one with you. Yes. They get experience in the group classes. Yes. Okay. So when it comes to sales, because I think that for a lot of trainers, like sales is something that's extremely like daunting and, and scary sometimes. So are you, what's your timeline for like assuming the sale if you're doing that? Like, are you assuming that it sounded like that's kind of what you said earlier when you were saying like, which best, which option is best for you, personal training, group training. Yeah. Um, like, are you closing these people like after two days? How does that work? So um, first of all, I think it's really important for anyone just to like realize their own worth. You know, like if you're selling something, yes, there's a dollar amount attached, but it's really like, do you believe in what you're offering? Do you believe in what you're offering matches the price that you put on it, matches the time invested, all those things. And if the answer is yes, and I think that makes it, it doesn't feel like selling. I think if you, you know, if you have a price point that's too high and it makes you feel a certain way, then maybe it legitimately is too high, or maybe you need to further your skills to feel like I deserve that. Um, so I think first and foremost, you know, I try not to, to think about the, the sales aspect and it's more about getting people into our community because I know how great it is. So whatever works best for you. With your budget, your schedule, your needs, is personal training best? Or are you trying to do the, the group training? Because obviously the group training is more affordable than personal training because it's one-on-one for 30 minutes or an hour is obviously going to be more expensive than you're in class with, you know, 12, 10 to 12 people. Um, so that that brings the cost down. Um, so yeah, what the actual uh, first session though, that is a personal training session that does have a price point on it, but we do allow the first class for free. So, but we try to, you know, if someone does the personal training and then I've actually had this happen too, where maybe someone wants to take advantage of that first class for free and kind of bypass that initial personal training session, potentially because it does cost, right? They're like, oh, let me just take the free class. And then they'll take the free class. Sometimes they feel confident and ready. And sometimes after that first class, I'll say, you know, Emily, you did a great job, but I really think if we just spend 
you know, those two sessions working one-on-one, I can really help you feel more comfortable in this environment. We can chat a little bit more about your goals. I think it's going to be beneficial. And then I'll have people actually say, okay, I will do that now. So either way, you know, as, as it works out. Yeah. I think that's cool. So let's say that somebody's like, "Um, I want to think about it. Um, What is your process for continuing to nurture that person? Even though they said, no, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that they won't come back in the future. Yeah, I'm, I'm really giving in terms of like a free class. So if you took a class and you're like, um, I don't know, I might, I might wait a week or two and then say, Hey, if you'd like to come back again, like it's on us, don't worry about it. I really believe that if you give people another experience and they realize like you're not not just in it for them to join the gym for the money, you really want them to, to love it. They'll come back again. So we always offer the first class free, but I have no hesitation in saying, come back again if you want to. I'm sure that shocks a lot of people sometimes. I know, yeah. But then they'll love it. And guess what? They're going to join. They're going to join unlimited, come all the time. And it all works out in the end. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about some of the challenges that you guys have overcome in the past. And maybe if there's some current challenges that that you guys are working on overcoming. So right now I'd say it's just growth. Um, I know a lot of my mentors when I first started out said, get your core people and then, you know, folks will trickle in after that. And that's really how it's happened. We have such a great core group of, of members that have been with me since day one. We had like a founding member rate and a lot of those Uh, members are still really big into our community and it's awesome and so heading into year three I think it's just managing growth that's going to be the the biggest challenge for us so our classes are starting to become more full Um, our space it we have 2100 square feet so um, it's a good size space but in order to grow you know just trying to think about uh, more creative ways to kind of not lose our our um like our motto and what we stand for. And that's providing that individualized attention. We don't want to get so big that it just feels like, you know, you're coming into class, you're not learning anything. Um, but we do want to make sure there's room for everyone. Mm-hmm. So that's the biggest challenge. And then over the last two years, um, we've just been continuing to grow our coaching staff. And so right now we're at a place where we just have an awesome team. So continuing to um, empower those on my team to continue to do, to, to do more like those personal training sessions, nutrition coaching, and, and getting more experience under, under their belt to serve our community and our members. That's kind of the next step and what we're working on heading into the new year. Yeah. So how do you think your role, like as you guys continue to grow and as you're working on managing your, your growth, do you feel like your role as the owner will change a little bit? That is a great question as well. Um, I think about that a lot because, so I love to coach. I was a college coach, like I said, I've been a strength conditioning coach, now owning my own gym. I think I definitely am business oriented, which is necessary, Um, but I think coaching is what I love to do, but I'm gonna have to eventually be a really good coach to the other coaches. You know, I think if I want to grow, then I need to figure out how to be the best mentor and teacher to the those that are working you know for the community and for the gym to grow so that's kind of you know taking a a hard look at what I can do better to mentor my coaching staff so they can take on more responsibilities and then I think then you end up becoming you know more of the the owner operator and less of like the head coach so I think that transition is coming um and I definitely have 
probably less classes on the schedule now in terms of like a percentage of the full schedule. We've been growing. So of course I'm still coaching a lot, but in terms of the percentage, it's probably down a little bit from last year, um, which is a good thing. That means that I have more, more people stepping up and doing a great job and leading, leading the community in the way that we want. So it's good. So, I mean, do you feel like that would be something easy for you to do is like to step away from that head coach role, teach less classes and kind of focus on, you know, elevating your team and your support? I think it's, it's really hard for me, but the way that it will be easier is again, if I'm still feeling like I'm coaching by now, coaching like peers, you know, instead of um, the actual classes. And then also, as long as I feel like the coaches that are on my staff are, you know, fully invested in what we are trying to do at MSF. You know, if you have a bunch of people doing whatever they want, that's different. But if we're all bought in on the mission, the programming, the culture, I mean, culture is so huge. If we're all on the same page, then I think that'll make it easier for sure. Yeah. So I kind of want to cycle back to um, a word, two words you said earlier. You said like business minded. And Mm -hmm. as we kind of touched on before we went on air is that my experience into the health and fitness industry is like I knew how to work out, but I didn't necessarily know how to run a business at all. So what are like maybe two to three skills that you think are important to have as a business owner when you're first starting out? Yeah, the first one I think is just the management side in terms of literally just, you know, the day-to-day operations and um, the data, the numbers. And I use a really good management software system to help me. And that was one of the first things that I invested in. Like as soon as, actually before I opened, I spent time learning all of the management side and working with this software company to help me. And I think that doesn't look fancy, right? Like, wouldn't it be way more fun to buy a lot of equipment and like, you know, make the space look awesome and get a sick website. But I was like, no, I need to do this first. Like you need the policies in place. You have to have policies. It can be as simple as what are your class, um, what what size do you want your classes to be and why? Um, what how many members are you looking to have and why? What what offerings do you have? Um, how much does each thing cost? That kind of sounds funny. Or do you have a sign up process? Like you have to, we have an app and you have to sign in and register for our classes. That might not sound like a big deal, but let me tell you, when I moved back to where my gym is, that was a huge deal. We had other gyms that were just throwing out price points, you know, kind of randomly. You never had to sign up for class, Um, you know, just different policies that we had that were very different for the area that I moved into. It was, it was common to me, but not, not to the, the, the area that I was moving into. So you have to have those policies. Second, I think it goes back to that, um, just building relationships regardless of what your personality is, you have to build relationships, whether it's with your members, with your coaches. Um, and I think you just have to be really present and engaged in what you're doing, obviously. Um, and then the third one is just having foresight. So obviously what we're doing every day matters, but you need to be thinking about weeks and months and years. Um, and I think you always kind of have to stay a couple steps ahead. Yeah. So I think, number one and number three kind of tie into each other because it's like if you're not tracking if you don't know your numbers it's going to be really really hard for you to have that foresight that you need Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Yeah, absolutely like when I first opened I was I went all in on the adult fitness like that was really what I did 
and everyone would say, oh, are you, are you going to train kids? Like you just came back from, you know, you've been a college strength coach. Are you going to train athletes? I'm like, yes, but hold on. <laughs> because when I first opened, I didn't have the capacity. It was just me. I had a little bit of help, but it was basically just me. So I needed to build that schedule first. And I offered, you know, I wanted to offer as many classes as I could, but it was just me. So offering a little bit of a limited schedule, but you have to have a plan in place. All right, I get this going and now I'm going to add more classes. I'm going to actually see what time the members need. I always laugh. My first class was at 6 a.m., well, very quickly, I learned that the people in this city where my gym is, they wanted 5 a.m. And I was like, oh, 5 a.m. every day. So I, you know, I was getting up at 4 a.m. for one or two people, for one or two people. I love to tell that story because for one or two people, I was getting up at 4 a.m. And now fast forward, our 5 a.m. is full. We literally have a wait list. I'm trying to figure out what to do about it. We literally have a wait list for our 5 a.m. class. So how cool is that to see the growth? But, you know, you got to put that time in and believe that it's it's going to grow and do things the right way. So and now we have a booming kids program as well. So you just kind of have to stick to the daily, but be thinking about what's next. Yeah, absolutely. So it's almost a really good place for us to wrap things up here. But I just have one more question for you. Um, like what's some one piece of advice that you wish you would have had on the, on the first day that you decided to like, this is something that I'm going to pursue seriously. The best advice I'd give when I first opened is just, um, you know, to, to have a really good team of people around you, you're going to need that support. Um, so for me and, um, my relationship, I actually was living separately from my partner at the time. And that sounded so crazy, but I knew like I need I need three months of all in, um, yeah. but I had incredible support. So I moved back to my hometown. So I had my parents were there, my sister to support me. Obviously I was supported in my relationship too, but I was really just focused. So whatever that looks like for the individual, that's up to them. But I really think it's important to have a support group. I would imagine in any industry that you go into, if you are starting a business from the ground up, you're going to need to put in a couple months of time and effort and energy to really get that thing started. And then obviously it's building out from there. And like we talked about um, trying to then learn to back off a little bit over time, because obviously that's not sustainable. Yeah. So pretty much like don't do it alone. I think so. Yes. <laughs> yeah. All righty. So this is a really good place for us to wrap things up on, here on the podcast. But before we sign out, tell our listeners where they can find you. So we are in Hamilton, Ohio, 57 North Brookwood. And um, to see what we're doing and check out what we have going on at MSF, just find us on Instagram and Facebook, Mahan Strength and Fitness, and our um, website, MahanStrengthAndFitness.com. All righty, Mimi. Well, we really appreciate your time and contribution to the podcast. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what you guys are going to be able to accomplish down the road. So to everybody who tuned in today, we appreciate you as well. Don't forget, if you want to be notified about future episodes, hit the like and subscribe button. If you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model within our industry, click the link in the description, fill it out, and our team will be in touch with you soon. As always, until next time, Jim Lords out. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets, at alexsbook.com. 
Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.